Hello and welcome everyone to the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron White, fresh back on the ground in Seattle, Washington after my trip to the Toronto International Film Festival. You are here for reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free, so that's what you're going to get. In this series, I will be speaking about the films that I saw at TIFF 2023. Some of these do not have release dates yet. Others do. I'll let you know when I can what those are. But thank you for coming along for this journey. I hope that I can introduce you to some interesting and exciting new films to keep your eye out for. So without further ado, let's get into the reviews. Hey, for this set of reviews, we are talking about films that will both eventually be available on one of the bigger streaming giants platforms. So hopefully most of you will have access to both of these either by the end of the year or maybe sometime early next year. We'll see. First up is Woman of the Hour from Netflix. It stars Anna Kendrick, Tony Hale, Daniel Zavato, and Nicolette Robinson. It is directed by Anna Kendrick and written by Ian McAllister McDonald. Cinematography is by Zach Cooperstein. It is edited by Andy Canney and Lee Hagen. And music is by Dan Romer and Mike Tuchillo. It runs 94 minutes. What's it about? A drama based on the true story of the time that a serial killer competed on and won a date on the popular TV game show the dating game. The killer, Rodney Alcala, was in the midst of a killing spree in 1978 when he brazenly took part in the show. Now, if you're unaware, this is Anna Kendrick's directorial debut, something that I was extremely excited about and looking forward to being able to take in at TIFF. Unfortunately, she was unable to be there to introduce the film and do a question and answer session afterwards because of the writer and actor's strike that is ongoing uh, while those groups fight for fair wages and stronger contracts. But she did send a note through her producer about how important Toronto was to her career and how she had been building to this moment for so long and was just unfortunate that she couldn't share it with a live audience. But I think that she hit a home run with her first ever film from behind the camera. She has so much command. The film is a tense, funny, and scathingly direct look at the dangers and the objectification that women face from men on the daily. Several scenes made me, as a man, reflect on my own behavior and my own interactions with women and the subtle ways that perhaps I speak or act or look that can be taken in a wholly different perspective from the woman's point of view. I think that this is a movie that shines a light on those things, but it does so in a way that allows us to think about our own actions and the ones of those around us that perhaps we let go unchecked as men as well. Instead of doing something that is condemning of every single person and the way that they act on a regular basis, 
there's a fine line there, a way to kind of bring someone in to a situation and let them see it in action versus talking down to them in a way that turns them off and makes them defensive. And I think Anna is able to do that throughout this film over and over and over, showing a variety of different situations that women face. It was really eye-opening and enlightening for me personally. The way that she shoots uh, the assaults that take place by Alcala on his female victims is also pretty impressive. She keeps mostly the sexual assault stuff off the screen in a way that just makes it, I think, more horrifying. And when it comes to the actual violent acts, there are outbursts and brief moments that are really tough to watch, but I mean, they only last a couple of seconds. And I think that that is done intentionally and strongly to kind of accentuate just how normal this character, this person of Rodney Alcala was up until that briefest of moments where his true character comes out and he has to do the deed. It happens swiftly, it is brutal, and the camera work here is perfectly attuned to showcase that without leaving you in the moment to the point of making it where you're turned off to watch this film further. It's a really difficult tonal balance that Anna has to manage in this film because it bounces back and forth from Cheryl, the contestant on the game show that she plays, her story as an aspiring actress in Hollywood, leading up to the dating game show and then going forward on the dating game show itself, and then also flashing back to Rani Alcala collecting victims and assaulting and murdering them. And so we're constantly going back and forth between these kind of lighthearted, fun, bouncy tones, and then this more serious, scary, what's going to happen to these women, dark situations. And Anna really masterfully navigates that. Now, in front of the camera, Kendrick is a beloved actress for a reason, and she brings that signature charm and wit that we all know and love. I think that one of the interesting things she does here is she sort of updates the experience that Cheryl had on the dating game show by taking the opportunity to make somewhat of a, a feminist statement. She turns around the questions that she's given to ask these men. These are very generic and very surface level kind of questions that also objectify women. And she takes control of her circumstances and what she is doing on that set in a way that is both absolutely hilarious and really praiseworthy because it turns everything upside down and really puts the power in her hands instead of making it all about the men that are on the other side of the screen hoping to get a date with this woman. Now, Daniel Zavato playing Rodney Alcala is absolutely terrifying. He has the perfect demeanor to portray the charisma and the improvisational conversational skills that Alcala possessed while posing 
as a photographer in order to lure unsuspecting young women into his circle of trust, promising them that they could be a model for his pictures in order to then get them alone and eventually assault and or kill them. And then every so often, you get this glimpse of darkness, of that evil in his eyes that flashes, and you see the burning, violent desires underneath right before they come out, or hopefully right before they're thwarted. It is a deeply unsettling depiction of what someone's true evil sort of feels like when they're not wearing it on the surface and they're hiding it just underneath. It's a performance that could potentially give you nightmares, I'm not going to lie. And it showcases how he really was able to go on such an incredibly awful and horrendous spree of crime, of murder, of devastation for so long and get away with it. And how he even gets on the show in the first place. I mean, that is one of the most interesting aspects of this story. And it's explored a little bit, this idea that he wasn't vetted in a way that was able to keep the people on this set and the potential woman that was going to win a date with him safe. And they use this as an opportunity to show an example of what can happen when men don't believe women and the danger that that can put people in. This is really just a knockout true crime story directorial debut. I think Kendrick shows that she has learned a lot over her career in acting, and she has the chops to take an idea and give it a unique twist and make it her own. I was so, so impressed and so happy because I just absolutely love her as a human and as a performer, and I can't wait to see where her career goes next. And I think with the overall, like, love and obsession with true crime stories that is currently out there in the world today, that the way that she mixes uh, kind of a feminist story inside of this, I think this is going to be a humongous hit, and it's a really good idea that Netflix picked this up, because while I wish that everyone would get an opportunity to see it on the big screen, more people will see it now because it's going to Netflix. That's just a fact. And frankly, if that leads to more success for Anna, then that can only be a good thing because I'm sure she has more great stories to tell. There is no release date yet for this film. I would say late 2023 at the earliest, but most likely I would expect this could be pushed into 2024's release schedule. My other film for this episode is Pain Hustlers, also from Netflix. It stars Emily Blunt, Chris Evans, Andy Garcia, Catherine O'Hara, Jay Duplass, Brian D.R.C. James, and Chloe Collum. It is directed by David Yates, written by Wells Tower, and based on the book Pain Hustlers by Evan Hughes. Cinematography is by George Richmond. It is edited by Mark Day. And music is by James Newton Howard and Michael Dean Parsons. It runs 122 minutes and is rated R for language throughout, some sexual content, nudity, and drug use. What's it about? 
After losing her job, a single mom falls into a lucrative but ultimately dangerous scheme selling prescription drugs. Now, there's no shortage of films or documentaries about the opioid crisis in America. But usually these are being told from the perspective of law enforcement or drug dealers or even the addicts themselves. What Pain Hustlers does a little bit differently is it puts you in the point of view from a pharmaceutical company and tracks their contribution to creating addicts to one of these pain-killing drugs. This startup is responsible for selling a drug that is used for cancer patient pain. And what ends up happening is eventually that market gets tapped out. And what we learn about is the ways in which these pharmaceutical companies do shady business with various local doctors, the way that bribes are handled in order to get doctors to write scripts for their drugs, which is how they get a market base. And then they're able to slowly expand, expand, expand that. And they're fighting against other similar drugs of the same kind. Ultimately, it gets to the point where they need to go further. And so the only way they can do that is to have their drug used for something that goes beyond its initial intent, which was to treat cancer patient pain, thus creating a situation where people can take it for much lesser ailments or really for no reason at all and start to become addicted to it because they're using it for longer than was intended in the first place. Our primary protagonist here is Liza Drake, played by Emily Blunt. She's great as a single mother, down on her luck, and she really has no educational pedigree to speak of. But she has an incredible, unrivaled charisma and determination, which results in a particularly strong ability to sell. Her relationship with her daughter, who faces an illness that requires expensive treatment, is really wonderful and the driving force for all of Liza's actions. She never quite seems in this for the status she enjoys that. She enjoys being able to provide for her extended family and having the comfortability that money can bring. But she's not always looking for that next big car, that next big house, as much as she really just wants to be comfortable and provide for her small family and never have to go back out and be a stripper again, which is where she is when we first meet her in this film. That is, as opposed to Chris Evans's character, who is really quite fun as a morally bankrupt pharmaceutical rep. He's the one that recruits Liza because he believes in what she can bring to this company. She can inject something into them, an energy that they have not previously had. He goes to great lengths to get her on board, so far as even falsifying documents as to her educational background so that he can have her start trying to go out and woo these doctors and kind of sway them into picking up their particular painkiller drug over someone else's. And unlike her, he definitely is the sleazy type who will do anything to get ahead of the competition and rich. Now, despite having a crazy high energy and being flashy and colorful, 
This somehow feels almost a little bit sanitized. It's typical formulaic Netflix fare. And it feels like Yates is stepping out of his Wizarding World roots and trying to make a wannabe the Wolf of Wall Street, but it doesn't have the kind of bite that Scorsese puts into his pictures. This is also a little bit over a two-hour movie, and it feels a lot longer than that, which is never a good thing. The worst aspect of this, though, is that Yates tries to make a statement, and he has serious moments in the film where testimonials and interviews of the family of various victims are shown in black and white photography. And I think the intent is to highlight the destructive nature of the drug and what the company has been doing, but they feel so tonally out of place from the wild, propulsive nature of this company's rise to the top and all the partying and fun that the money brings. It feels so out of place, and it just doesn't quite work. And attempts that are made to help us get to truly know the victims sort of fall flat. Pain is a perfectly fine movie, though. It's wholly enjoyable, it's easy to watch, and it just doesn't tell us anything new. These companies are out for profit. We, we know that. Um, they do ethically questionable things in order to stay ahead, and people get hurt and suffer because of that. We know that. Surprise, surprise. This doesn't give us anything that we don't expect, but it's a presentation that has A-list actors having a lot of fun on the screen, and it keeps your attention. And so for that, I think that it's definitely worth a watch. Probably good that this is going on Netflix because I don't think that it would have nearly the same draw in theaters. This isn't the kind of movie that's going to have any sort of awards prospects, but but again, it's perfectly fine for a Friday or Saturday night at home with a bowl of popcorn on the couch. Pain Hustlers will be in select theaters for a week beginning on October the 20th and then streaming on Netflix on October 27th. Well, thank you as always for listening and or watching my reviews. I appreciate it more than I could ever express. Please like, subscribe, if you enjoy the show, share it with your friends and family and other movie lovers. Follow us on all of the social media channels and reach out to me. I love to interact and chat. As usual, I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filmed.